Hello and welcome to another episode of the Walk the Line podcast hosted by myself. Thank you very much for joining us once again. I've got a sponsor. Oh yeah, that's it. I am in the big leagues now. I've got a sponsor. So here we go. I'm going to do the obligatory sponsor thing. This is the first time I'm doing it, so I can't mess this up. Otherwise, I won't get paid. So this episode is sponsored by Wave. Wave gives you the power to leverage audio content to create social videos that drive more reach and engagement around your branding content. Great for promoting episodes, highlighting guests, and sharing show clips. So if you're a musician podcaster or on a radio show use wave to make your audio stand out on your social media platforms go to wave.co click the link below and the description and that will take you straight to it and you'll see they have free plans and also pricing plans they are one of the best i use them myself for all my um, podcasting platforms and putting them out there on social media so check them out guys also big news to be quite honest with you, I've only went and released myself a merch store. That's right. You can buy merch. Walk the Line podcast merchandise. Happy days is all I'm saying. Basically, go up there, buy yourself some stuff, and, and be a walking billboard for me. It's always nice. Now it's not good. Um, on there, the merch store is actually open now. It opened up last week. There you can get some hoodies. You can get stickers. You can get mugs. You can get caps as well. Oh, created and professionally designed by yours truly so don't hate me but i've actually just got the samples through and they're looking quite good actually no they're not looking quite good they're looking shit hot so i've got myself a hoodie and they're comfy as hell and to top it off you get free shipping on every order for life and also if you join the facebook group you go to facebook.co.com forward slash walk the line podcast like the page you will automatically get a 10 percent discount my God, I am good to you guys, aren't I? So click on the link below and go to the Met store and support the page, really. Support the podcast. I really do appreciate you guys. So after all that trivia and mumbo-jumbo, let's get in touch with the, the, the most important thing is my guest today. My guest today is Gia Verts. Now, Gia is a documentary filmmaker, a true crime documentary filmmaker, and she has just released her debut film which is called conviction conviction is the story of jeffrey deskovich jeffrey got convicted wrongly convicted of a murder and rape at the age of 16 and spent 20 years in prison for something he didn't commit now conviction goes through in a little bit of detail actually a lot of detail of jeffrey's uh, story and uh, gia is great at actually portraying that onto film it's a great great um, documentary and it's available on Amazon Prime. So if you type in conviction into Amazon Prime, you will be taken there. Well worth it. It's a short film, it's only 25 minutes long. And obviously, Gia goes on uh, um, to discuss what's happening in the future. And the full documentary, an hour and a half, will be released this year. COVID, hopefully, will not dampen that. So, guys, without further ado, please welcome the extremely talented Gia Verts. So hi, we are we are with Jaya. How are you doing, Jaya? How are you things? 
oh good you know same old around the world i guess <laughs> how's that you're over at you're still in new york at the minute are you you said you I live in New York, but right now I'm in, I'm from Canada originally right. and I'm visiting my parents. I'm in Calgary, Canada right now. Christ, that must be like going from like minus five degrees Celsius to like minus 20. It's like Can it Canada's like the coldest country in the world. And I'm from Scotland. So that, that says something, to be honest. It is. It's very cold. And actually, the funny thing is New York doesn't get that cold in the winter. It is really? like minus five usually, you know, which isn't terrible throughout that's, the winter. That's freezing. That is really bad. I know, but Canada gets like one time I came here, I think two years ago in the winter, it was minus 40 Celsius. I mean, what? insane you so this is not like minus five is i'll take it it's not bad <laughs> i always used to like i've always wanted to go to canada because my friend one of my mates used to live over there and he said he used to travel to work in a skidoo um and like i kind of well I, I think you call them the jet ski things on snow i think is that what we call them skidoos or a oh my god where did they live i've never seen that <laughs> idea but he was like yeah i used to drive to work in one of them i was like what that's ridiculous i want to go there just because of that was, I mean, that would be really cool, but I've never seen that. It, this is no. a big city. So maybe ah, in like, I think he was yeah. At, yeah, he was thinking in the middle of nowhere sort of thing. He was at sort of thing. So um, that's probably the reason why, because they don't have like the, the, the lorries and the, the snow plows there very often. So you just jump on a, a little motorized go-kart and head off to work. You know, it is so funny, the things, because I moved to the States and the things I've heard from people um, just over the years, like meeting people, they'll ask me like, oh, what language do they speak in Canada? And I'm like, well, English, clearly. <laughs> and uh, I've heard like, oh, don't you guys live in igloos? And it's like, no, it's like exactly like the States. You know? <laughs> what would you what would you say is the best thing about New York and the best thing about Canada? Well, Canada, everyone is so friendly. I mean, yeah. so extremely friendly. Uh, that's the best thing for sure. The best thing about New York is the opportunities are endless. It's like anything you want to do, anything, whether like, for example, when I switched to filmmaking and I used to work in fashion and whatnot, everything's at your fingertips. There isn't anything that you want to do that you can't start doing like tomorrow, <laughs> which really? is okay. a great feeling. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit, I've always heard that Canada's really like kind of chilled and nice and friendly. It's like, even if they bump into you, they say sorry to you, which is, I'm just like, that's, that's foreign, especially because I'm just outside London uh, and yeah. that's completely foreign to me. They don't, everyone's horrible in London. It's, um, it's, <laughs> oh, it's my dad, my dad's been living, he, he's obviously Scottish as well, but he's been working in London for years and he, he walks down Oxford Street, the big long streets. It's obviously it's constantly, yeah. constantly full of people. It's like chalker. And he's got his laptop bag with him. And he says, watch this. And he goes, just stay behind me. And he puts his laptop. But what he does, he puts it under his arm and a little bag and pushes it forward. So when he badges into someone, he swings his arm into them and proper knocks them out. And then looks round at them going, oh, watch where you're going. I'm going, dad, you nearly killed that poor guy with your laptop. No wonder he's upset. He's like, oh, it's just wow. the way it is. And that is London for you. Such a horrible city. Oh, it is the opposite here, completely the opposite. You know, a hilarious story I'll tell you quickly is when I met my husband, I was in Toronto, I was going to college and he was traveling by himself. So he was walking down the street. We met because he asked me for like directions and recommendations for restaurants and stuff. And so we right. met completely randomly. This is before smartphones. And uh, so people actually talked to strangers and stuff. Everyone wasn't, <laughs> you know, buried in their phone. And he, we were talking and he had no winter jacket. It was the dead of winter in Toronto. It's, you wow. know, also minus 20 minus 30, whatever. And I, you know, after talking to him for like, we talked on the side of the road for maybe an hour, maybe 30 minutes. It was quite a long time to talk to a stranger, but we got talking about photography and just ended up talking for a while. 
And I said, where are you going? And he said, you know, I'm going to my hotel, whatever. And I, I was leaving work. And so I was just about to get in my car where, where we were talking. It was on the side of the road. And I said, well, I'll, you have no jacket. I'll give you a ride. You want to hop in? And he was like, hell no. He's like, no, no, I'm going to walk. And I was like, why would you walk in the dead of winter with no jacket on when I'm driving right past where you're going? And he never got in my car and he walked. And I thought that was really weird. Fast forward, you know, we got ended up getting married and everything. And I asked him about it one day and I was like, what was that about? And he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, we don't get into strangers' cars. You could have been a criminal. You could have taken me somewhere. <laughs> and in Canada, I mean, people offer strangers rides all the time. It was normal to me. And as an American to him, it seemed like the craziest idea in the world to get into somebody's car who you just met. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder, to be fair, there's a lot of things to that story. It's like, why would you invite a guy with no cap coat on in your car? You'd be like, is this guy a bit of a crazy one? Or I didn't realize you married Superman. You probably married Superman. That's probably what it is. It's like, this guy's not right. <laughs> then, he's probably, then you turned it around and went, come into my car. He's gone, no, this one's the weird one. It's like, you're probably having like a weird, weird off. Who's the most weirdest one out of the oh, boat? Totally. Okay. totally. Yeah. There was such a like clash of, you know, just cultures because I came from a place. I mean, seriously, your car's broken down on the side of the road. Numerous people will stop and offer you a ride and give really? you like fix your car, boost your car. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada, I mean, it's totally normal. I need, I, need, I need to get myself to Canada. I need I need some of that in my life right now. I need some positivity. What's going on? I just need to go somewhere and have people being nice to you. London's too oh, much. Yeah. It's too horrible. Down. <laughs> <laughs> Emigrate over there. That's it. The thing is, this is a problem. I've always wanted to live over in the States or Canada, over that sort of side of the world. But my problem is, if I go there, I'll never come back. I'll, I'll just stay there. And that's the problem. So I've been, I'm waiting until I get old and retired and I can just go over there and just say, do one to the kids and the grandkids. I'm off to Canada for the next 20 years. <laughs> come over when I die. You better turn up for my funeral, you bastards. <laughs> well, we'll welcome you. Come on, come on over. <laughs> come on over, that's it. So, so Jack, you've had a, a bit of a busy year so far this year, haven't you? Well, last year, I should say, with the debut, uh, debut film being released, Conviction. Congratulations on that, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it has been a busy year and very unexpected. I didn't expect it to kind of take on a life of its own. And it's been really, really um, accepted quite well. Uh, lots of awards, a lot of great praise from obviously the film industry and uh, the, the uh, film awards and all that sort of stuff you've been receiving and also from people who are watching it. I mean, I've watched it as well and it was just like, wow, it's, it's a lot different from the, the Kanam. Uh, the documentaries I normally watch. It's like me and my other half, we always like sitting watching like the Netflix documentaries and all that sort of stuff. And it's uh, and it's 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 a it's a very it's a, a nice change of pace if that makes sense compared to the rest of them. You know, it's not because you see all these like kind of Netflix documentaries and all these sort of things. They're like they're all like hyped up and they're all like suspense and all this sort of stuff. The ones we use, you, the way you did yours was a lot better because it actually came out with like facts and it interviewed the guy and it was very chilled and it was very uh, quite somber because you let the, the story tell itself sort of thing. Yes. Yes, I did. I did. That's so interesting. Do you watch true crime documentaries normally on I Netflix do. and stuff? I oh, do. you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got into the What's the one I got really into? The one that was really famous a few years ago. Making uh, a Murderer? Making a Murderer. That's that uh -huh. one. I watched yeah. that one and I got hooked. As soon as the first season, I'm like, oh, I am hooked too. on this. And then I watched a few of them. I think uh, was it don't uh, don't fuck with cats as well. I watched that. Oh, one. that one is crazy. That is ridiculous. I couldn't it believe crazy. it. Could not yeah, it's believe hard it. to watch, and but it's really well done. Oh, uh, it's great. Very. It's it's such. That's what I'm saying. There's so many twists in that story. It's ridiculous. 
And um, I actually got one of my buddies to watch it, and he swore off um, Facebook and social media for days, for weeks after that. He's like, don't want to go on it. It's too dangerous. This is the shit that happens. I'm t-. And he went on a massive rant tirade about how social media is ruining the world. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, well, I agree with him that yeah, social media Good point. That's has. It. He's been, and he keeps sending me all these stuff, like, like can I, like, uh, links to certain articles and links to certain... There's another Netflix thing as well about social media. It was quite interesting. And he was saying all this. So he's, he's, a, he's a massive advocate. Of, well, not a massive advocate, a massive unadvocate, if that makes sense, about social media. Yes. Just because yeah. of cause he watched that crime documentary on Netflix. I know. It's so funny. I use social media all the time and you kind of have to, I mean, to promote mm. film and, you know, all kinds of things. That's where you reach people now. Um, but if I could, I would also just not use it. I, I agree with your friend 100%. And now that I have a son, I don't allow any photos of him on, on social at yeah. all, which is yeah. very strange in today's day and age because that's everyone's always posting that kind of stuff on social. But we never, ever do because uh, because I just think it's dangerous. and. Yeah, you have to be very careful of what's going on out there. You see everything happening, like people getting groomed and all that sort of stuff yeah. on there, especially for kids, which can be quite dangerous for them. Yes. You have to be very careful, especially when they're coming to the younger age. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think mine's only five. She's more into YouTube and watching people on YouTube and stuff at minute. So not, she's, not at that, yeah, she's not at that age yet, but I'm waiting for it. Can I get a Facebook account? <laughs> no, you're not. No chance. <laughs> you're not even getting a WhatsApp account, you little nutter. Uh-huh. I feel the same way. <laughs> Crazy. So so it's it's a very interesting story. Um that you kind of well you described, you went through. Go into a little bit of detail. How you really kind of start why did you start? Why why this story? What kind of made you really kind of go, I want to make something on this? Yeah. So what happened is, um, you know, going all the way back to when I was like 20, I mean, decades ago, I read a book by Reuben Carter called The 16th Round. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Till this day, it's still my favorite book. Um, It was the account of a guy, his name's Reuben, obviously, and he was a famous boxer in New Jersey, and he was wrongfully convicted of a murder that he didn't commit. And it's really crazy to think about it today because he was a he was a famous person, and I can't imagine any famous person being wrongfully convicted of a murder today. It just doesn't seem like it would happen because of media and all the you know access and power that celebrities have. But anyways, back in the '60s, this happened, mm. and he ended up going to jail, and he exhausted all of his appeals, and then he wrote this book from prison. And And it was called the 16th round. And it was kind of this really raw account of this human being going through this horrific experience and being put in a max security prison. And he was, shouldn't have been there, you know, obviously. And he wrote this book as kind of this last appeal to anybody who would listen that could help him. And it was just so jarring and so heartbreaking and so sad. And I was only like 19 or 20 when I read it. And it just stuck in my mind because I was like, how can this happen to somebody? Like you're just living your life and now you're, you know, in prison. And so it, uh, it just stuck with me. And I always was because of that book, I was passionate about wrongful convictions. And then fast forward to like 2014, the serial podcast came out. And like most of the world, I was hooked. My husband actually came home and this is before podcasts were big. So I never listened to podcasts and my husband came home and he was like, you got to hear this podcast. And I was like, no, I don't, I'm not really into like radio shows and stuff like that. And I didn't really, you know, know what podcasts were because they weren't big back then. And he said, no, seriously, it's a true crime story. And I was always fascinated with true crime stories. And it's about a Pakistani family and I'm Pakistani. And so I was like, I rarely hear true crime in Pakistani communities. And so that interested me. So I listened to it and like everybody else, I was completely hooked. At the end of it, at the end of Serial, I was 
very much, uh, you know, still believe in Adnan's innocence. I thought he's an innocent person sitting in jail. And it really bothered me that it was like entertainment. Everybody was super entertained by this story, but I was like, there's this guy sitting in prison who didn't do this, who was 17 when he went in. What about him? Where is he? And so, you know, now that I, now fast forward to today, I know I wasn't the only one. There was millions of people researching everything, reading everything about him. So I reached out to his family over email. I found their email address online and reached out to them. I didn't hear back. And so I thought, well, what can I do to help? So I, I uh, organized a fundraiser in New York City. And I just got some local bands together and I made these free Adnan shirts and I sold them just to raise some money for his legal defense fund. And we ended up donating a few thousand dollars for a one night event. And the family, we ended up getting in touch with the family over the course of planning the fundraiser. And they, I ended up meeting them. They're just the most fabulous people. They're so kind. They're so nice. I mean, they might be some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And they're going through this horrific thing. And that was kind of the beginning of me realizing that I really, really want to do some work in the wrongful conviction, you know, space for this cause. Yeah. And um, so then a couple of years after that, I was at Adnan's post-conviction hearing. I went to it and I saw a camera crew there. There was a camera crew and it was like three people and they were filming the HBO doc, the case against Adnan Syed. And oh. when I was told that's what they were filming, I was like, three people can film an HBO talk. I was like, how can this be HBO so huge? And I was so naive, totally had not, no knowledge of the film industry. <laughs> and I had been a photographer for 20 years. I owned camera equipment and lighting equipment. So I went home and I was like, I'm going to make movies. <laughs> I'm going to do this because this is how I can raise awareness for this cause. And that's kind of how it all started. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty a pretty cool way of like, kind of starting, really. To be honest, it, it it shows that you're passionate about it, and it's definitely passionate about the subject at hand. Um, yes. So when so when you did the, the document, did you was it just yourself that was filming it, or was it you have a team with you? How many people involved? So we had a, a core crew of four people. I went to when I got back to New York. I thought about it for a little while. I talked to my husband and about you know switching careers and whatnot, and uh, we decided I'd do it. And I enrolled in New York Film Academy. So I went to school for filmmaking for documentary filmmaking in New York. Wow. And the three the, the three other people who worked on my film were all students that I met at New York Film Academy. So the four of us made the film together. And wow. um, yeah, and then after I graduated, uh, the it was a workshop program. Once I graduated that, I just continued working on the film pretty much on my own. I hired like PAs here and there, but I yeah. just kept going with it to finish it off after school ended. God, doing all the editing and all that sort of stuff. It must have taken, oh God, I, I can't even fathom how long that must have took for that. It did. It, it, the editing is, you know, the biggest part of the job and the most tedious it. part of the job. Yeah, because I mentioned this. We had a chat last week. I said to you, I was like, I hate doing editing, even for a podcast. It's an hour long. So God knows how, and that's only just audio. So I don't know how you can do that with everything involved with obviously different cameras there, obviously lighting and all that sort of stuff and make sure everything ties in. And it's just like, oh my God. That must be. Oh, it's so much, but you know, I did it for the first one and it was such a great learning experience and I still like it. Mm. It just, it takes too long. And if I didn't have a three-year-old, maybe I would be more into doing it, you know, more often, <laughs> but for my next film, I'm going to hire an editor for sure, because it was a lot of work to that's, do. That's what they say. They always say that it's, uh, the first rule of business is outsource as much as you can. <laughs> Shouldn't you do yes. anything, outsource it. That's what I'm trying to do, but um It'll get there eventually. It'll get there eventually. But, <laughs> but the, the the story itself. I mean, um, when you when you actually watch it, he was in he was in, he was in 
side, he was sent down for like, well, 16 years he was there for, wasn't he? Yeah. And yeah. the way that the one of the striking things when I watch the documentary is the way he acts. He's not bitter. He's not resentful about what happened. He is let, he's, he's more relieved, but he, he doesn't let it bother him. He doesn't want to be vengeful. He's just like, and I think the quote that he used goes, I just want to um, show my revenge by living my best life. Yes, and I was like, yes. that's really powerful. I couldn't believe that. That was very powerful. And I, it takes a, a big person, a, a quite a strong-willed person to literally think like that, you know? Yeah, and Jeff is a very strong-willed person. And it is, it's remarkable that he has this outlook. Because if I think about myself, if I put myself in Jeff's shoes, I don't think I would have that. I think I would be angry. I think I would be bitter, uh, but he's not. And he also said, I think I have it in the film. He also said that he was only angry for about a week after he got out, I mean, I would have been angry for years. I oh, think. God, I'd be still. Sure. I'd still be angry now. I'd be like, I'm coming after you. I want. I want to yes. take everyone down who basically did this. Yes. Well, you know, a couple of things. For one, Jeff is. Uh, he, he has a right outlook because for sure he wouldn't be able to live a happy life if he was always bitter, mm. right, and angry. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is, he did in a very good way he did kind of go after people he uh took the prosecutor to civil to civil court and he won he won uh against him uh for coercing his false confession and all of that stuff and so Mm. jeff got a really good settlement out of that and of course you know it's somewhat revenge for the against the prosecutor right although there's no uh accountability for prosecutors which Mm. is a whole nother whole nother issue but uh he did I think though he has also, well, two things. I asked Jeff, how can you talk about your story in such a like cool collective manner and not, he doesn't, he's not even animated, but it's almost like you asked him what he ate for lunch. You yeah. know, it's such a like. Exactly. Yeah. And he's just, he's just very calm and he just talks about it and he's just like talking to you and you can see it, it shows that he's came to terms with everything really, hasn't he? It does. Yes. And I don't know if this part's in the film or I'm actually working on the feature length film of Jeff's story. So the hour and a half long version. So I don't know if it's in that one or in the short that you just saw, but he says that he kind of compartmentalizes it. And when he talks about his story, it almost feels like he's talking about somebody else, like almost like it didn't happen to him. Like it's another Mm. lifetime, which is a coping mechanism, I'm sure. And he, you know, deals with the trauma that way, I guess, Uh, because I can't imagine how traumatic it was. I haven't even asked him, you know, everything that happened to him while he's in there, but I know one time he was almost killed. They, 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 uh, people came in, in the other prisoners came and smashed him over the head with, I don't know if it was like a two by four cement block or something like that. And he almost died. And so I can't even imagine everything he's dealt with that he doesn't talk about, you know, so I'm sure there's a ton of trauma. So he has to kind of you know compartmentalize it to deal with it as he said and that's pretty interesting and the other thing that i found super interesting is that in the process of filming uh jeff has a really dark sense of humor and he made yes and he made (laughs) jokes about being in prison that when i was behind the camera the first time i heard it i kind of took a step back and i was like did i hear that right like in my headphones or did or did i not because it's okay for him to joke about it but it's not Mm. okay for us so i didn't want to laugh or anything because i was like what and i had to ask him what did you say and then he repeated it and it was a joke about being in prison and i was like oh look at like that's pretty amazing that he can joke joke about about it it. that's quite good that's quite good because and the, obviously in the documentary mentions uh, very just ever so slightly about having any solitary confinement as well for his own safety. 
because um because he he was classed he was sent down as being a sex offender wasn't he and that's the yes. his main but and then obviously the inmates find out about it so as you can imagine any sort of person that's like that in jail was going to be like got a target on their back aren't they so they had yes. to that's got he mentioned i think the weirdest one is when he said he's in solitary confinement for so long they didn't have any like fathom of time because it's like yeah. there was nothing there he said the only reason he knew about time was the the meals that he got uh he had breakfast he knew it was breakfast yes. time because it had um uh like kind of obviously breakfast food and that's yep. the only reason i was like what that is ridiculous i don't know how that would drive anyone completely loopy it would and he was on only in, I mean, I don't want to say only, but for uh, a month, you know, people are yeah. in there for years. Can you imagine? He said, the lights oh. are always on. You don't know what time it is. It's, I can't even imagine it would of course drive you crazy. Oh, it was mental. Cause it was a resident. Yeah. Cause the, the reason we've got um, sent down was, a, uh, was, a, a, was a, a murder and a raping of a young girl that was in his class. Yeah. yeah he was a high school student. He was only yeah. 16 years old and a, another classmate was raped and murdered. And, and he, the... he got stung with it just because of just be, but it kind of seems that it just, just being a concerned person really, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. There's so many things about his story that are so uh, alarming to me, like students in the school, other students, when the detectives came to question the kids to try and find out what happened, they said, well, Jeff is a little bit awkward or odd. You should talk to him. And that was just it. That was the beginning of them turning their attention to Jeff, which, I mean, I was an awkward kid in school half more than half the people in the world were awkward kids <laughs> yeah, in school right I like, definitely was i still am now yeah, yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> so it just it was very it's crazy that that seasoned detectives could take that little you know and just run nugget of information and run with it. exactly yeah oh well, well he got his just deserves anyway that's just obviously the good news from that yeah uh, so, so you mentioned it. you just uh, uh, kind of touched on that you're making a full length hour and a half uh, version of it yeah, I am. I'm actually almost finished. I'm, wow. I have two shoots left to do. And of course, COVID happened. And so all oh. uh, production shoots were canceled. And one of the shoots we were going to do needed to be in, in the prisons that Jeff spent all of those years. Right. And right now the prisons are completely shut down, even for the prisoners, they can't even have family visits. So, it's, oh, wow. you know, there's no in and out because of COVID. And so we've been waiting for quite some time to see when we can get those shots. I'm actually now hoping that I can work with the prison to get some archi archival footage or something so that right. I can move forward. And then there's an interview I have to do. And that woman is in Colorado. And of course, there's no oh. traveling happening right now. So no yeah, so I just got to get those last two shoots done. Uh, during COVID, you'll appreciate this because I couldn't shoot or anything. Instead, I edited the film. So I have the <laughs> film now like 70 percent edited with gaps where i need to fill in the other shot yeah that's it that's it well that's the thing when you're stuck indoors doing nothing you have to make sure you well i might as well do this the thing, yeah, is, exactly. the thing is as well you might not need to go and get someone to outsource your editing because you're so good at good at it now because you've practiced so much and you've been doing it for so long now you'll be like well, I yeah just do it myself no problem yeah that's the thing yeah that's it. if i didn't have a toddler i mean i would have been done the film by now <laughs> But that's the thing when I watched it, when I watched the documentary, I was like, there, there has to be more to this story. There has to be. And I'm so I'm so happy that you've actually said there's gonna be a full length. I'm like, yes, this story is gonna be even better. Cause you know straight away there's more behind there. There's some there's more to tell. Yes. 
and the what? full length, it's so interesting because uh, I talked to his mom yeah. and what she went through and, you know, what her life was like and what, she, what was she thinking when the detectives called her and said, your son is in, you know, jail yeah, course, or, yeah. you know, for murder. Can you even imagine he's 16? And then also I talked to, I've interviewed quite a few people at the Innocence Project. Um, one person about the psychology of false confessions and how do people who are innocent confess to something so horrific that they didn't do, which I find also fascinating. Um, and then the lawyers who actually worked on Jeff's case to get him out, wow. uh, interviewed them. Um, it, it's just very interesting, all aspects of it. And then also, um, especially people in the States will know, but Janine Pirro was the DA at the time. And she's the one who denied Jeff's uh, DNA testing because there was DNA evidence in his case because the girl was raped. And so there was semen. Course, yeah. And uh, she declined uh, to have it retested to see if it matched anybody in the database. So Jeff, I think he spent an extra almost 10 years because they didn't allow the DNA testing. If they had allowed it, he could have gotten out so much sooner because it matched somebody else in the database. That's how he ended up getting out in the end. So is that so. that was because of one girl's one woman's decision? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, I'd, I'd I'd hunt her down. I'd punch her right in the mouth. <laughs> I don't care yeah. who it is. I'd punch her right in the mouth. I know. I asked Jeff. I was like, "Have you ever run into her? Like, you know, just because they live in the same you know area and they work now in the same field, right? Kind okay. of like." Right. And he said, I haven't. He's like, I haven't. But, you know, I would like an apology still is what he oh, said. And definitely. of course, and all he said is I would like an apology. Like, that's it. He didn't even say he wants to punch yeah. her in the face or anything. Like <laughs> drop kicker, elbow dropper off the top rope sort of thing, you know. Hey. I but, know, um, right. So so you say, was it the original plan to bring out the first the, the kind of short documentary and then bring out the, the, the full length one? Or was it just just the full length one just said because you've had such good reviews and good praise from the, the original, you're like, I need to sell the next one now. You know, it, it's so funny because I had zero plan for any of this, for right. none of it, because I filmed the first like eight minute version of this, the short that you saw in school as my final project for school. It was like a school wow. assignment <laughs> at New York Film Academy. And I was in, um, towards the end, I was in my editing class and the professor in the class said, this is so good. You got to submit this to film festivals. And up until that point, I had never been to a festival. I had no idea how to submit a movie to a festival for oh, sure. Yeah. And uh, so they taught us all that in school. And that's why I went ahead and made the film a little bit longer. Well, I mean, a little bit, 21 minutes, so more than double the length. And then I submitted <laughs> to film festivals and within the first month we got into four festivals and now wow. today we've been we've been accepted into 11 festivals and so it just was really received well and I had so much more footage because you know when you edit there's so much left on the cutting room floor mm. I had so much great footage and Jeff's story is so compelling that I always kind of wanted to use that footage I was kind of bummed that I had all this great footage that I wasn't using Goodness. and so early on I was like you know I'm going to keep editing it making it longer I needed to keep it under like 20 minutes to submit it to the shorts film festivals because they have guidelines but I wanted to make it longer so I had right. kind of just kept going with it for my own you know project and uh, after I saw how well it was received and Jeff was very interested in having in continuing to film and having the full-length version I was also I just decided I would you know do it and then try and get distribution for the full length because it just took on a life of its own like this in the last three months, we've done, I think, five screenings at universities with law mm. students, and um, we're doing one in um, in the Netherlands coming up at another uh -huh. university. So it's just, people just really are responding well to it. So it's like, why of course, not yeah. just ride this? And also, and also, it's been, it's, it's, uh, it's been picked up by Amazon Prime. You can actually watch it on Prime now, can't you? 
Yeah, yeah, you can watch on Amazon Prime. How exactly. did that come about? Did it just say like, did you, did you have to apply for that, or do you just say I've got a film, yeah. can I put it on? Yeah, you got to submit it and everything. Yeah, it's like uh, the it's a whole distribution process to get your film out there, which is a whole another animal. It's <laughs> it's crazy. I knew nothing about distribution, and the funny thing is, I don't know if my film would have been released had it not been for COVID. Because at oh. the beginning, when uh, it's when COVID started, my film was finished. It was like March, and it had gotten into a few film festivals at that point. And I and then and I had all these screenings lined up at theaters with the festivals and one, no, two weeks before my New York premiere at a New York, at a theater, they shut down all theaters. And I was so bummed. I was like, this is the first movie I've ever made. I was so excited to go to the theater. Jeff was so excited to go to the theater and watch our own movie, you know, on the big screen and everything got shut down. And I was like, this is the worst luck ever. Like, yeah. when do you make a film? And then a, you know, global pandemic happens. And actually it turned out to be, I mean, okay it turned out to be actually a blessing in disguise in this world and you know for this one reason anyways um because I was sitting at home and I was like well what do I do now you know like all the screenings are canceled and it's great that we got into all these festivals but we can enjoy the marketing that would come from it meeting the audience getting feedback any of it and I noticed that a lot of filmmakers who were just stuck at home with nothing to do, who are normally super busy, started doing Zoom masterclasses. They were all like organizing these masterclasses on different aspects of filmmaking, whatever their favorite part was, like cinematography or how to get distribution for your film. And so, cause I was stuck at home and also, you know, bored and nothing to do. I signed up for, I think it was like 44 masterclasses in the first three months of the pandemic. And I Jesus. took like a you couple every it. week. You yeah, went I just for went it. for it. <laughs> go out or go home, you know what I mean? Not None of this, I was, like, I'm just gonna you know, dabble in it. Yeah, I was a new mom at home with a one-year-old and I had time when he napped and stuff like that and I couldn't work on my film. So I was like, well, let me do this. And that's how I ended up getting my film on Amazon Prime because all these established filmmakers who did these masterclasses would teach you how to do this kind of stuff. And so through learning through all of those people that were really established, I learned how to, how to distribute my film. And so I wouldn't have known how to do that had right. we not been stuck or maybe I would have learned later on I guess you know yeah. and well, taken longer. it's been it's been great I mean it's obviously been uh, pushed out to millions and millions of people already on Amazon Prime sort of thing as well and it's got such good reviews I think uh, I'm looking forward to the new one coming out the full length version I'm sure that's good is it you going to put that on Amazon as well try and get that out and about the streaming services you know, I'm hoping actually to put it on a different platform um, because I'm already in talks with a couple other, um, uh, yeah, just uh, distributors. Have we got, have we, have we got any, uh, any, any kind of sneak peeks of who you're talking to or is that confidential? I'm trying, to, trying so hard to get some fishes for some juicy gauze. Come on, <laughs> get me some time, come on. I hate to say, because who knows where I'll end up, but we have been talking to Vice, you know, Ooh. Vice Media, to see uh, possibly with style. them. I love their stuff. Yeah, so maybe there. I mean, it's just in the beginning stages, so who knows if they're going to decide to take it or, you know, what what have you. Um, but that's one. And then the others are distribution companies. I mean, nobody will, just, would have heard of them, but yeah. um, they're distribution companies who then, in turn, get it on to, like, the on, you know, Netflix, Hulu. The, mass, um, the masses, know. out to the masses sort of thing. Yeah, so I'm hoping to get it on one of those networks uh, versus Amazon, but we'll see. Amazon's also great. So, so when when are we looking to get it released? When are we when are we thinking? When's the approximate I was, date? I don't have a date, but this year, 2021, because <laughs> it'll be finished in 2021. So I want to yeah. get it out. Get yeah. out as soon as possible. Get it out there. Yes, so, that's the goal. 
Brilliant, Brian. Well, Jack, I know you're obviously kind of stuck for time, so we'll uh, can I finish it off? I know you've got your um, your little one to look after this afternoon and all that sort of thing, and uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Where can people find you? Um, my website is just my full name, so it's yep. Gia Words, J I A W E R T Z dot com. And uh, if they want updates on the film or any upcoming screenings, our Facebook page is Conviction Documentary. And on Instagram, it's Gia Docs. So D-O-C-S, like short yep. for documentaries. Yeah. No problems. In the description, when we release it, we'll uh, put all the, the links to where we can find you underneath so people can find you. And uh, obviously, if you want to watch uh, um, the, the documentary, it's, uh, it's on Amazon Prime already. I it's- watched it earlier this afternoon and also the weekend as well. And it's very, very good. Condemned. Have a look for it, guys. It's so good. The link in the description as well. And um, have a look at that one. And we patiently wait for the, 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 the full-length version. Fingers crossed, coming out sooner rather than later this year, I, th- I hope. <laughs> Thank you so much. And thanks for watching it and for having me on. I mean, this is awesome. No problem. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.